0: It's time now for the Chipping Forecast, issued by Folding Pocket on behalf of Andrew Cotter, Eddie Pepperell, and special guest Ian Carter.
1: Hello everyone to wherever you are listening to this, hello to um, all golf fans, all fans of uh, everything else, all sailors, hello to all you sailors out there who have just um, asked your smart speaker for the shipping forecast to check there's not a big wave coming your way and you've got the shipping forecast instead. Everyone's welcome to listen to this chat about golf and life with um, with Eddie Pepperell's here, hang on a second. Eddie Pepperell? which one is he again and to our regular guest ian carter who is here so um we're actually recording this in video in video format as well as audio because that's what we do that's what everything does now and i can see ian carter's in a hotel in new york um and it, what's going on it seems like you're having a seance or something like
2: that it's well the 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 lighting in this hotel um it's an airport hotel uh it is it's it's just flickering really, really badly. And I've already had um, an email saying that uh, the flight could be delayed because of weather. And um, mind you, I've had emails about that all week um, you know, with regard to the Gulf and the weather intervening. We only had one interruption. So I've got my fingers crossed because I'm flying a bit later on this morning. Um, but it is very, very spooky in here with the lights just flickering. It looks like his
1: great uncle Cornelius trying to get through to you at the moment. (laughs) Yeah. That is one for the kids. Right. Um, uh, yes, we've had some weather. That's that's what they like to say, those crazy Americans. We're having some weather. Yes, everybody does
0: every day. Eddie, how are you? What's going on with you? I'm all right. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, got home from Munich on Friday night. I was, uh, played golf for two days and played as bad as I've played for a couple of years, I would say. So I was happy to get home. Um, and yeah, just been working on my game a little bit. Looking forward to the British Masters this week.
1: What, um, so when you MC, when MC Hammer it, what do you, do you, do you have flights on standby or do you just
0: have people that make it happen immediately and, um, and, and soothe your temper? No, I did the classic, um, book to my return flight Thursday evening, uh, changed it, to <laughs> changed it to Friday, uh, it cost me about 150 quid. And I thought, you know, if, if I do have a good round, make the cut, then I can stomach losing 150 quid on it. So, um. It's a win-win, really. You know, Friday becomes a win-win under that scenario, and that's important. That each day you, you try and take the positives, right?
1: I like the way you're looking at that as a win-win. We've got to have a Ian and I are going to have to have a word with you about your your psychology. Um, again, I, I, Ian, yes, positive person. I mean, I'm not sure how that would help, but um, just just quickly, we'll get rid of the Munich experience for you then. So um you did get into the pro-am because i remember that in last week's uh pod you were talking about your first reserve for the pro-am so you got in were you pleased with that situation as soon as you got there because you were late
0: on the way out as well weren't you yeah my flight was cancelled in the end so i ended up flying uh, early uh wednesday morning so I, I managed to then be put back to the afternoon on-site first reserve pro-am and thomas bjorn withdrew um so i ended up it's quite funny actually i turned up on the tee with three chinese people who spoke not a word of English and they just looked at me and they said Thomas Bjorn (laughs) pointing at me saying Thomas Bjorn and so um, they I don't know how much they really knew about uh, well they certainly knew nothing about me but uh, that's probably understandable but it was a long round no English very hot and the strangest thing was is that how Lee was the group in front of me in the pro-am so it really made no sense. You should have uh, said yes I am Thomas Bjorn and then proceeded to I
1: don't know beat up a a small spectator or something like that, and said, "That's how Thomas Bjorn rules." And then yeah. walked off.
2: They, they didn't give you a tip about Ronnie Yin winning the uh, the women's PGA out here in New York, did they? They'd have been very happy with how that all turned out.
0: No, I'm afraid they didn't, Ian. And if they'd have said that name, I would have I was a snooker player. <laughs> yeah, Ian, Ian's trying to segue neatly to uh, the women's PGA at New York. So, Ian, you
1: you've been on quite an American trip for a couple of weeks now. This is this is better than the 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 flight you took over for an omelet for the World Golf Hall of Fame selection once. <laughs> Came yes. back after an afternoon or something like that. So, and the planet is now in, in disarray environmentally
2: because of you. But so you've been out there. Um it's what is it it's 4:45 in the morning or something where you are. It is yeah it's very early in the morning um but that's fine it's um yeah it's been a good trip actually uh, Los Angeles one week New York the the second I didn't do any sightseeing as we discussed in Los Angeles but I did manage to get into New York a couple of times uh this week um which or last week which was really nice. Had a good wander around there, and um, yeah, I do. You know what? I really, really enjoyed uh, the women's major this week. The 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 PGA. Um, it kind. Of, the, there was just, a, and we might get onto this because McElroy's been talking about the, you know that that course in Hartford, Connecticut being obsolete in the modern game. Baltus' role was just amazing. I, I'm trying to remember, Andrew. Did you come to um, 2016 or 2005? 2005. I've got to
1: correct as well that, um, yeah, that you that persuaded me. It was 2006 last year. 2005 was there, and, uh, and I didn't get into my story about how Balta's role, the man who, who, after whom it's named, the Dutchman, met a grisly end he who was, he was murdered because people thought he had something valuable on his land. Anyway, um, good chat. So did you talk about that in commentary? We
2: did. Um, we we, did, we discussed uh, the demise of Balta's role, uh, after whom the, the ground is, uh, the course, is is. Uh, Named, but one thing I'd say is, and it's I find the older I get and the more often I go, I go to golf courses and think, God, I wouldn't want to play that. I arrived at Bolters Row and thought I'd really, really fancy playing it, and I I don't remember thinking that way back in two thousand and five. I don't remember thinking that in twenty sixteen. They cleared out loads of trees. The presentation of the golf course was. Absolutely incredible that that like the fringes on the greens were running at over ten on the stimp, and they were so, they were so um so tight uh, that actually uh, poor old Mel reed on the Saturday, having been you know one shot off the lead at the halfway stage, she actually marked her ball on the fringe and got got a one shot penalty because she thought she was on the green. Her head was a bit scrambled at the time. Um, but uh, just a fantastic golf course, really, really good tournament, a lot of uh, drama to it, and you know, I mean, ten million dollars, which is a fantastic prize for for the women, um, but a massive discrepancy compared with what the men were playing for, on you know, down the road in Connecticut, and I just, I just found it a whole more, a whole lot more wholesome than what's going on on the PGA Tour at the moment, which might sound all very kind of. Um, you know, PC or whatever, but I, I just genuinely felt that, um, and I just wonder what's happening to the game of golf at the moment in terms of the hyperinflation in the men's game, and and actually watching players who were just deeply grateful for the amount of money that they were playing for, and they just seemed to have a bit more sporting integrity. Yeah, no, I, I was going to get into
1: this sort of uber hyper super duper uh, mega inflation in the men's game. Uh, because i was going to talk about um a tennis comparison we'll do that we'll do that we'll do that later I, we'll do that later we'll get into the the actual nitty uh, gritty of the women's pga um Ian, i've got i've got the audience numbers in for last night actually uh elton john elton john <laughs> must have been blooming furious to see that his last ever uk appearance was up against, uh, your coverage of the final round of the women's PGA. There was actually quite a, when I saw, um, the leaderboard and, and midway through the, the, final round, it looked as if it was just going to move away from, um, Stephanie Meadow and Leona Maguire. And Maguire didn't have a great final round, but, um, but then Meadow had, had her chance. Mm. Had, her, I mean, outside chance in the final hole a 500 yard par five, but she was right in the middle of the fairway. I mean, that was, uh, that was pressure.
2: Yeah, she she was right in it down. at that point because um, uh, Lynn needed to to hold a 15 footer for birdie to take it to eight under, which then meant that Meadow would needed to eagle that par five. But up to that 15 footer going in, a birdie for for Meadow would have got her into a playoff. I thought she played really well until that final hole.
1: Eddie, as you take a sip of coffee, as I can see, uh, or tea, um, what is it? Coffee, tea? Tea. No, I've just started drinking English tea in the last few months, so uh good enjoying it. All right. Okay, good. What is this English tea of which you speak? Um so have you ever
0: topped a ball in uh in a tournament? I probably have. I'm not sure I've done it on the last hole trying to win a golf tournament. But um although I do re- I recall at County Down in the playoff one year I had a good drive and then had a two iron and effectively thin shanked into a bunker to ruin my chances. So that's just as bad. I I mean, I did see the video this morning. That that would have been a really difficult moment and a pretty excruciating place to be psychologically out of thought for Stephanie for a few minutes. Yeah. I was actually listening to Ian's commentary at the time because um
1: over there with Katrina, well, Katrina Matthews back here. And so well I I did listen to it. I listened to did it.
2: Did you? I did listen to it. just, just like I last listened to you it. listened at the US Open. No, I listened what, what to did it I say?
1: as you said, Oh, that's disappointing. Um, I no, I listened I, to it just after, you did, no, I did, I did listen to it because I wanted to hear how you'd commentated on that second shot of, uh, of Stephanie Meadow in the final hole. So I listened to it just after watching Elton John do Don't Go Break My Heart with somebody who wasn't Kiki D. That's madness. Um, Kiki D was getting a lot of love on Twitter last night because how can you do, unless she was unavailable, you know. Anyway, um, digressing slightly, but no, I did, I did, uh, I did listen to it. Listen, it was up. Uh, it, we talk about the the thing which is amazes me on the women 's side of things is how you know people talk about on the men 's side major winners getting younger and younger, but it 's always been that way on the women 's side and in women 's sport in general women um have success earlier on and perhaps don't have the same length of careers that that the men have but um, you know, that's a twenty-year-old winner, and everyone's talking about the talent of Ro Zhang. But there is a twenty-year-old winner, second Chinese champion after a major champion after Shan Shan Feng. Um, it was, it was the P.J. She one, wasn't it? Um, twenty twelve. So, but I hope that these aren't talents that appear and have a a a bright flourishing and then disappear very quickly, because that has been the pattern in the past in the women's game.
2: Yeah, I mean, it. I I, I have no idea why it should should be that that way um i i know what you mean i mean um yeah you know, michelle Wee being a, a a a classic case in point when she burst onto the scene was actually playing in men's events and um and didn't have the career that everyone thought she was going to have just winning one one major and now she's retired and now she's in in many respects the the mentor to Rose Zhang and you know it was another 20-year-old from China who who uh, won this one um i, d- I don't know Rose Zhang looks like she could be an amazing figure for the game of golf and Ronnie Yin, that was only her third major and she's finished fourth in one before she's won the LA Open. I mean, she could be a a, a real superstar. I I came away from it just thinking, just there's there's so much amazing talent there, and and it is possible for players to have a, a a good deal of longevity as well in the women's game. You know, Laura Davis was there playing last week. Yeah, she was, but but then look at uh, Yanni
1: Sang and Lorena Cho retired early. Uh, Shan Shan Feng, she's thirty three, she stopped playing. Um, so I just don't know why that necessarily is the case in the in the women's game. But it sounds like you've had your faith in golf restored. I did. You know, I, I, I did. I did. I, I,
2: yeah. I, well, I hadn't lost faith. I enjoyed the the U.S. Open. I thought that was I thought that was a really good really good tournament. But I thought that. There was more. There were more dimensions to the women's uh, event. I saw more clubs being hit. Um, you know, it was interesting listening to some of them saying, you know, they're barely hitting any wedges, only into into par fives. Whereas you're seeing the men, you know, pumping it miles down the fairway and just wedging onto greens on on what for everybody else would be really long par fours and par par fives. Um, I, I thought it was great. I, I really did. Oh, you sound excited at five o'clock in the
1: morning. No, I'm uh... excited and great uncle cornelius has stopped contacting you it's all seems stable the
2: lighting now in your room so uh oh rumpled a bed you said eddie you said when we were warming up you said about stranger things do you think i should kind of like maybe download that for the flight home yeah definitely after you checked out (laughs) yeah um yes
1: okay no i only watched season one of stranger things and then i thought that was a sort of natural end to it after season one so it didn't didn't watch it after that. It's good uh good television chat. Actually you were when you were um you noticed something um uh
0: on Elton John's performance last night, Eddie, which I think has got a good good golf connection. Yeah, I couldn't believe he was wearing I think what was a CyFlex Footjoy glove, and then you sent me the article <laughs> saying he's actually sponsored by Footjoy, which is um Well Elton John. Not Elton no, John we're talking no, about. Sorry, here. no the drummer. <laughs> the drummer for
1: Elton John. Nigel Olsen is the drummer for Elton John. And he about and he, he's always worn or he started off wearing a different type of gloves. I can't remember. Weightlifting gloves or something. Driving gloves. Driving gloves. There we are. Ian and his, his, his. Not putting gloves. Not putting gloves. His leather string back driving gloves and Farah slacks. So, and then he started wearing golf gloves because they got more feel. they thinner, thinner leather. So, and he wears, he's sponsored by, by Footjoy. I, I, I'm, I mean, some of the Footjoy gloves, if you go to the tour gloves, yeah, they're great. But some of the, then you go down a bit and they're just harder wearing. They're quite industrial, like gardening gloves. We're not going to get sponsored by FootJoy now. I am sponsored by FootJoy. No, exactly. You're sponsored personally, but you could, on behalf of the team, we could get a FootJoy sponsorship for the podcast. Um,
0: we could work on it. We can work on it.
1: Yeah, I can split the income that I receive. We might get fifty quid each. Okay. Excellent. Um, I'll quick a uh, quick question for you, Eddie, after your quiz last week. So, um, Nigel Olsen, who's the drummer for Elton John and has been since 1970, he is from Wallasey. On uh, the world, what
0: is, what is Wallasey famous for in golf? Um, well, I know the Wallasey Golf Course, but presumably it's something uh, different to that. So I'll let you answer the question.
2: Stableford. It's where the Stableford point scoring system was, uh, was first introduced. Yes. There's a plaque there. It's a fantastic golf course, by the way, Wallace. It is. Although,
1: when you mention that to anybody from, uh, Penarth, Glamorganshire, they go, were... wow. Because Frank Stableford, who uh, came up with the system, he was a member of both clubs of Glamorganshire near Penarth and, um, and also Wallasey. And he actually used it first at Glamorganshire, but it was first officially used in competition at Wallacey. So, um, I can I can actually hear the the Fuji representative putting the phone down now, having second thoughts about sponsoring the pod, so after this chat. Um so there we go. A good a good major in the books, as Ian once said, and I didn't understand what he meant. But there are a women's major in the books. They move pretty swiftly on, don't they, to the next one. there, there isn't anything this week on the the LPGA Tour and then they go to the U.S. Women's Open. So,
2: Yeah, Pebble Beach, which uh, first time for the Women's U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. I think that will be an amazing uh, tournament as well. Uh, I'd love to be at that one, but uh clashes with Wimbledon, so um, I won't be there. No. Um, even though I'm a golf correspondent, I'll be doing the tennis with you Andrew with me but um, yeah. mm, well not with you because you're in the television box and I'll be in the radio box but um yeah yeah so uh, and the time difference just doesn't quite work but really glad that we we did this PGA um commentary was on five sports extra if you want to listen back on it on bbc sounds could do so actually I might listen back I have no idea what I said when stephanie meadow topped her second shot that skimmed across the water like a pebble on a millstone Oh, a mil- mill pond. A,
1: a, you didn't say millbone, did you? Because that was a, <laughs> very, I redo, I
2: very early in the morning. Um, um, um so what yeah. did I say? Because I, I guarantee I guarantee what I said was not what was going through my mind when she hit it, because if I'd said what was going through my mind, I'd have then live on, on air, I'd have been sacked.
1: Yes. No, you you said um Oh, it's slightly disappointing. Uh no, I can't remember what you said. It was, <laughs> no, it, was it was memorable. Yeah. <laughs> it was memorable. You said you said there it goes skimming across the the water like a millbone <laughs> <So, laughs> right okay so um uh we touched upon it there that you you know when you're watching the women's golf it's the variety of uh, variety of shots in, te- in terms of obviously distance even though they're playing shorter courses it's still because of Eddie's touched upon this trajectory you know it's a slightly different game of golf whereas down at the Travelers Championship um River Highlands, where they're playing for $12 billion. And and since Keegan Bradley won, uh, just a quick summing up, he was six shots clear at one point at 26 under. Then he sort of started um, mill boning it in the last few holes, and it wasn't so good. But he won. He won... Um, but but then uh, Rody McIlroy, who had a final round, 63, 4, 2, I, don't, I can't remember. Anyway, he had a decent finish again, I suppose. But he said the course is obsolete. Um, he said the course is obsolete. Uh, it's just that the the, the the equipment and that course in particular, I think, uh, really struggles. But I don't know what your thoughts are, are on such matters, Eddie.
2: And, and before you start, Eddie, um, this is this is good because Alan McQuish has emailed us. What's the email address again, uh, Andrew?
1: It's thechippingforecast at foldingpocket.co.uk. If that's not correct, we'll edit in the correct one afterwards. But I think it is thechippingforecast at foldingpocket.co.uk. That is the correct one, so no edit required.
2: Alan emailed in saying, after Rory's comments yesterday on equipment making, some courses obsolete, what are Eddie's thoughts on this, and is
0: there any course he wishes the tour could use, but don't because it's too easy for the modern-day pro? Well, there would be some classic old English courses that we'd love to go to, obviously as professional golfers like Sunningdale, etc. Although I suspect they probably wouldn't want events. But that aside, um, I think the ball clearly is going too far. Uh, that that's that I think is something that we can all agree on. Um, in fact, in Italy a few months ago, we had Titleist and the RNA actually present to the the Players' Committee on the European Tour. And it was quite interesting, some of the data that they showed. And I thought the RNA uh, had an abundance of of data that made it very clear that something needs to be done. Now, they've obviously concluded that the, the, the best way, or in their opinion, the best way to go about this is to have a bifurcation with regards to the ball, which is something that tightlists are obviously um, reluctant to do for many clear reasons. Um, however, one interesting thing did come out of all of this for me anyway, is that the R&A said when they tested at the Dunhill links last year they used a driver that had a much reduced MOI and when a player missed the centre of the club face the ball went 30 yards less far which I thought was quite interesting and actually, given that Titleist have said that they're going to have to change the clubs anyway if the ball were to change um, it made me wonder, or certainly I wondered if the better way to go about it would just be to, to change the driver itself Especially given that this this disparity that would come about via a mishit, which we all know rewards skill and you could imagine under pressure, two golfers trying to win a tournament and someone mishitting it all of a sudden coming down the stretch, they're going to be at a massive disadvantage because they can't find the middle of the club face. So I thought it could lead to a much more compelling uh, storyline itself if we were to go down that route. but. I agree with what Rory's saying that the ball is going too far for the top guys and um, in fact across the board it's just going it's not going too far for me I think I averaged about 220 yards off the tee last week but that's because I kept it in the trees just in front of me but uh, the ball is going I think too far at the top of the game
1: I always felt that that was the the better way forward to reduce the sweet spot of course that then you know in terms of measuring that it's much easier to say right this is the set ball and it doesn't go as far but it's not not about distance it's about purity of strike and because you know you just can swing harder you can swing faster if you know that when it comes off the toe it's going to go pretty much the same distance as uh as as one right off the middle you remember the old tiny tiny um I don't cleveland i had a ben sayers driver which had a tiny little sweet spot on the cleveland classic persimmon ones i know i'm sort of sounding a bit sort of nostalgic here for a, a an age which is never going to come back but you know if you and and the irons as well. It wasn't just the woods. The irons. If you hit a, an iron off the toe, which I regularly did, it was um, you know, it just it just died on But that's
2: me. that you used to. I mean, it used to be. You know, I hit that straight out of the screws, and they were the they, they were the bits of uh that were literally screws that were 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 into the middle of the the persimmon wood to create a a, a sweet spot. And I agree with Eddie. I think that the sweet spot is is too big at the top of the game. And you could, you know, by generating the club head speed, it doesn't really matter which part of the, the, the club
0: face actually makes contact with the ball. You still get a, you know, a really substantial and then, hit. I'll just say, but, Ian, on that as well, is, is the other thing that it would do, in my opinion, if, if you reduce the sweet spot dramatically, then you change the intention of a golfer towards precision as yeah. opposed to speed. And if you imagine, when, whenever we try and do something precisely in real life, we always move more slowly. So it's about the actual behaviour would change, the intention will change over time if indeed we are to begin to reward precision as opposed to just trying to leather the ball, accepting you could tow it, heel it, it's still going to go 300 yards. So, you know, I think that there's that to consider as well, which would inevitably happen in my opinion. Yeah, so the best driver
2: of the ball would be the person who can combine accuracy of strike with with clubhead speed, which would be an You know, and back in the day, you know, Greg Norman was... Was the the best in the world at doing that, and that's why he was the the world number one. I suspect Rory probably kind of does that and, uh, at the moment. But you would get more separation of the of the best players; uh, they would separate themselves from the pack, wouldn't they? Um, but I, I I guess the but where does that leave us on on bifurcation? Because I certainly don't want uh, to hit a driver that's got a smaller sweet spot. I don't want to hit a ball that doesn't fly as far. I'm not going to enjoy the game as much.
0: No, so, so so on that, I, I thought as well, and I said this to the guys at Titleist, in my mind, I could imagine if there are effectively a pro set of clubs and an amateur set of clubs for all intents and purposes, you go into a pro shop and you see on the wall the clubs that Rory uses. Now, you all know in your heart of hearts, you can't hit them, but aspirationally, you might keep want to give it a whirl. And there's nothing stopping you doing that. There's no hurdles. There's, nothing's really changed. The ball's... Still the same. It's just you've got a separate set of clubs which are harder to hit. But you might give want to give that a go if you decide to. I think after a few rounds, a good player will realise it's it's a pointless endeavour and they'll go back to using more forgiving clubs. But um, it, given that Tightly said they're going to be changing the clubs anyway, if they if they change the ball, I thought well maybe it just makes more sense to change the clubs from the outset the other thing is that um, you know that the, the manufacturers are
2: all up in arms because they're going to have to make a ball that doesn't go as far for the elite game, and they they suddenly say, well, you know, this this great thing about golf is that everyone can play the same equipment, which, frankly, isn't true anyway. Um, but there's nothing to stop, you know, if if they brought the the ball in that doesn't fly so far in the elite game. If they brought that in, there's nothing to stop me saying, right. I'm going to go. Andrew's going to invite me to Royal Troon to play there because he hasn't done that for years. And actually, I'm going to go into the pro shop. I haven't played there for years, so yeah. Um, yeah but so, yeah. I'll go into the pro shop and I'll buy the pro ball and 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 play with the pro ball just to see what it's really like to play a championship course with a with a pro ball that or elite ball. There's nothing to stop me doing that. That's and that's cheaper than going and. Giving Rory McElroy's clubs a try. I don't like the idea of bifurcation at all. I think I like the idea of of uh,
1: and 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 finding where the cut-off point is as well. I I I like the idea of just a smooth progression from um from amateur hacking amateur through to good amateur through to professional, all using the same ball, but just make it make it harder to to hit purely in terms of the the sweet spot. I um yeah, I don't, I, I, I hope that bifurcation doesn't happen, but, um, I'm not sure. Who knows? Um, right. Okay. Equipment chat. But the, the, the final quote that I don't think it was Rory who said it, but he, he entirely agreed with the quote. He said, golf has been dumbed down at the elite level. That's quite, that's quite cutting. Uh, but I think it does, does accurately sum up a lot, a lot of what we see. Sometimes you get courses where, you, you know, it, it, it just, places the owners far more on skill anyway, but a lot of courses and certainly this week, um at the Travellers Championship, playing for a lot of money, it was uh, it was golf that was dumbed down and um didn't really enjoy it that
2: much. Eddie, what would you be expect to be hitting into the eighteenth at the Belfry
0: this week? Say it's say it's warm and calm. Uh quite a lot of clubs, six five iron. I mean from memory in there we've hit four some five irons in, in there in the past. Um so yeah, that is a long hole. Uh you know, I, I'm I'm not the person to talk to when it comes to really a lot of this stuff, because obviously I don't use a driver. I'm not a long hitter. Um, but I, I I just think what happen, needs to happen at the top end of professional golf is that three or four more times in a round of golf, everybody needs to be hitting six iron more regularly and not pitching wedges. Um, and that is why you will see the best golfers. If that can happen, you will see the John Rams, the Rorys of the world, and the Scottish Shefflers separate themselves even more because they're superior ball strikers and... um I'm not surprised Rory's in favour. Rory should be in favour of of these changes because he will benefit. Um, but that being said, I think he's also in favour of them because I think he recognises that objectively it would be a good thing for professional golf.
2: Do you think our views would change if we got um, if, if a golf podcast was sponsored by a, a a manufacturer? Do you think that that changes the tune, the editorial tune of a podcast in just in general terms? Um, I think that...
1: Because I can't be bought like that. Yes, yeah. No, you can't be bought like that, but I can't. No, I can't be bought. I think um, in in so many aspects of golf, what we see or what we hear is not quite the truth because people are obviously beholden to the people who pay them a lot of money. And that's why we
2: heard Justin Thomas and and co Um, sounding off about the, the, the moves to limit the golf ball, isn't it? Hmm
1: yeah it is it is but i think that insert sponsor's name here has the right idea um uh, about everything and insert sponsor's name here uh, has shown great wisdom and 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 dedication to the cause in golf and that insert sponsor's name here um is the company that i really uh, enjoy using in all aspects of my my golf um so actually talking about big hitters before we look ahead to this week's golf uh what about the amateur championship now there's a golf course hillside uh we played the match play after Southport ainsdale and ainsdale hillside qualifying and on to hillside and crystal lamprecht uh who is six foot eight of south african i don't know if you uh, have you seen his swing eddie in action it's um
0: i think i saw one swing of him hitting the drive yeah was it quite short up, upright and a real leathered it sort of motion yeah
1: Yes. Yeah. It had a hint of the Matt Wolf about it, but with it from a bigger, even bigger frame. And it's extraordinary. But he just, he just beat that course into submission and beat Ronan Clue from Switzerland. Um, not the tallest winner. Some people were saying he was, but I think Gordon Sherry, uh, someone I grew up playing golf with is six foot eight and a half. And, uh, Crystal Lamprecht, six foot eight. So tiny, uh, by comparison, but I'd be interested to see if, um, if he goes on to some success in the game, it'll be interesting
0: to watch his swing if he turns pro and uh, very, see him out there. Very difficult game for tall, very tall people, I think, golf. It's unusual to see someone at that height go on to be world class for whatever reason, but I, I have my suspicions. But mm.
1: Yeah, well, I used to watch Woosem swinging it, you know, and when Woosem swung it, it just looked so round and compact and perfect. And then it just the taller you get, the more difficult it, the longer the levers, it just becomes. Uh, his swing, yes. Uh, there's a lot to go wrong in that swing Whereas someone like is is thought, well, there's so few moving parts. And you're always at a big
2: disadvantage when it comes to penalty drops as well.
1: Hang on a second, Ian. Hang on, hang on. Hang on, hang on. Just bear with me. Two seconds. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Ian. Um, right, so... Uh- <laughs> Fair point. Oh, anyway, um, South Africans have good names. Crystal Lampe, uh, Lamprecht, Tristan, Tristan one in uh, in Munich. Tristan Lawrence, um, Aldrich Pop-Gieter. Um Who are you playing with in Munich? So I'm going back again here. I, I don't want to pour over your uh, your MC. Who are you playing with? Who do you enjoy
0: playing with? Are You playing with Cabrera Bay or? You- yeah, I play with Fabrizio Zanotti and Rafa, and They were nice. I was very moody. I should apologize to them. Really, I think I disposed of a couple of clubs and i was in a bad i wasn't enjoying it very much last week um
1: were you in a bad place by the time you got there because if you're getting there on wednesday morning and again we've got to chat about your travel schedule um i know that there was a, a cancellation but if you're traveling on the tuesday like your home time uh great have you always traveled on a tuesday
0: mostly yeah, yeah
1: because yeah. you have a success with that in the past so ignore what i just said there but...
0: I, I should say i mean i I didn't play a practice round. I haven't played practice rounds. This year, in fact, was the first time I played a practice round in, in Munich. Um, I hadn't bothered before that this year. And when I go back go back to 2018, 19, I never played practice rounds. Carnoustie at the Open, for example, I never played a practice round. I traveled up on the Wednesday um, from Scotland, from home, sorry, after going back home after Scotland and just relied on my caddy and, and nearly won it. So, I mean, I, I practice rounds I find so boring. I find getting at tournaments early disastrous for my own state of mind. So, uh, I just try and, I try and leave it as late as I can really That's extraordinary So your practice round for this Was playing with three uh, Chinese gentlemen Who thought you were Thomas Bjorn And it's no wonder I shot Whatever I shot on the same Friday night
1: I do, I do think uh, are there, Is there anyone else who, who doesn't practice Or have practice I mean everyone else is out there So you would typically get there on a Monday I suppose Maybe play nine holes Monday afternoon Then Tuesday there a practice round Then you might play in the Pro-Am
0: on Wednesday Would that just overcook you? Yeah, that's such a long time to be a tournament, I think. And given that you're out that potentially you're out having a twenty five, thirty year career, I mean that is Oh, I don't even want to know where I would be. I'm in a bad place anyway, really, but I would be a far worse spot than uh if were if I was travelling on Monday every week. Victor de Buisson probably takes a similar approach. What's
1: happened to Victor? He was the he was the coming man. I remember Graham McDowell eulogising about him at Glen Eagles in twenty fourteen said, This kid, this kid Um, Actually, that was Bruce Forsyth again. Uh, This guy, you know, he was such a talent. Under pressure. Um, what's how's he getting on, Victor?
0: I haven't a clue, but he is an enigma, um, to say the very least. There's some classic stories of him at tournaments. For example, I think once he was traveling to a tournament and uh, hit some bad traffic in Monaco and just decided to turn around and go home and withdraw. Um, Classic story in China one year. I think he he wanted the TV from the players' lounge in his room so he could play on the Xbox. And demanded that the promoter did it, and they did. Um, he's he's a real strange one, but talk about a talented golfer. He's up there with one of the most talented players I've ever seen. Okay, good. Uh, so, but I feel that we are now living your highs and lows, Eddie. Which is,
1: uh, I mean, with the cuts podcast, it was just about the success or otherwise of Ian's uh, cricket team. Get up, the hogs. Was it the hogs?
2: Yeah, they won. They won on. Um, they won on Saturday. They've been having a terrible season, and they won on Saturday. They were very excited. you should have seen that on the BBC
1: Sport website. Well done, well done, the, done hogs. the hogs. Get up. Uh, then with the pepper pod, Eddie uh, wasn't playing. Uh, nobody was playing really, so it was about whether he watched a good box set or whether Monty had cleaned his patio successfully. On one episode, so that was the most interesting thing we had. But now we're 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 invested. We're with you. So that doesn't, I don't want that to bring extra pressure. It, it shouldn't. We're just having fun with you. But, um, we know good times are, are, are not too far away.
0: The good times are calling us, uh, oh, what's that lovely band. The, the Cortinas, that's, that's the one here. Good the song. Cortinas, right, I'm going to have to listen to that. Uh, anyway, listen, you know what
1: golf can do. Tom McKibben, won, he had an 11 at one hole. Um, so it's, uh, it's never, good or bad is never too far away. In golf. Right. Um, so I, I, here's another question for you. What's the connection? I was at Queen's t- uh, commentating this week at Queen's Tennis, Eddie. What's the connection between Queen's Tennis and, uh, and the Women's PGA Championship or Women's Golf in general? Uh, I haven't a clue, Andrew. Okay. Illuminate me. I shall. Uh, so Seb Corda, Sebastian Corda uh, is, so he's the younger brother of Nelly and Jessica. And, uh, he was in the semi-final, he lost Alcaraz, who's the world number one now again. So that was a big tournament in tennis. This is my, my reason for bringing this up is that's a big, big tournament in tennis. And, um, here we go. <laughs> Seb Carter was a semi-finalist there. So third or fourth place equivalent in golf. He earned 113,000 euros for that, which is good money. Luke List was tied 33rd at the Travellers and got the same amount of money. He got $110,000. Luke, Luke, list. This isn't a Luke list bashing thing, but what's? I, I, just, I just find the money in golf is.
2: Is Luke list short for lucrative list?
1: Hang on, Ian. Hang on, hang on. Just right. Um, good, excellent, lucrative list. Um, well, I'm just gonna, it's still. It's playing that it? it's
2: still going. I don't think I don't think that was deserved. No, I don't think that tumbleweed was deserved. I don't think it is tumbleweed. I think it's just just a a cold, a cold, stark
1: wind blowing over the ocean as your joke disappears off into the the ether. Actually, I've got to stop that now. Stop it. Stop (laughs) it.
2: But it's a good point. It's a good point, isn't it? About just how much money there is. And and here's the thing that really is starting to irk me about it. It's fine if you're worth that money, but you're not. The PGA Tour can't afford it. That's why they've had to go and jump into bed with the piff. Well, that's why I don't understand because I was having a sort of existential
1: uh, moment about golf in general and uh, entertainment and sport because sport has to be entertainment. And again, this is not, I've just picked the name Luke List because he earned the equivalent of Seb Cord or whatever. What, what entertainment is that? Provide is someone who finishes... 150th on the money list. What are they providing? Are they providing several million dollars worth of entertainment? I'm not sure they are. Um, Tyson Alexander, uh, is a hundredth on Money earned on the PGA Tour so far this, this, uh, season with 1.1 1. 1 million. Uh, is, he, is that what, is he worth T- Tyson, Tyson Alexander? Is that worth? I mean, people want to see the big names and obviously you've got to have the other names to compete against them, but it's, I just, um, not entirely making my point very well, but I might actually start the cricket sound for me. But I just, I, I wonder about what golf has to, the money in golf goes deeper than any sport except for football. It's, it's extraordinary the, the depth of the money. And I'm, i actually, we should qualify that and say on the PGA tour and on live, obviously. It's not necessarily that way at all in DP world tour.
0: Um, so Eddie looks like he has some thoughts about entertainment and golf. No, no, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I mean, pre live golf exactly what you just described it, it sent money way down the list better than any other sport and that was always something that i felt was a positive for golf um you know since the emergence of live obviously it's it's tantamount i think to effectively a buyer coming into think of any other asset market because what's effectively happened is golfers are now seen as effectively assets live decided to come in and place a value of 200 million dollars on phil mickelson's head over four years let's say well that's never happened before and that's like somebody coming in and let's just say to a housing market and buying a house way above its true value now it inflates all the other house prices but we know that that's not their true value um and so we perfectively i think what's happened is it's almost like the head's being pulled off the body and we've got this elongated neck and so there's this distorted version or vision of the body of golf and i think that inevitably i think over time we can all agree that there will be a reckoning and a coming down to earth of sorts but um right now it just seems utterly mad and uh, and i'm with i agree entirely with you um i don't think it's sustainable but interestingly i didn't i see i saw i think i saw something that the atp are now having conversations with the PIF. so yeah well yeah it's it's i suppose it's distorting all sport
1: and uh it, it, I, yes um i'm not sure what uh what is the future
0: i don't know i'm not su- sure we should be recommending another podcast but i will if you're okay with that of
1: course i should have it's a good podcast yeah I, mm. I listened to a few golf
0: podcasts so yeah so i listened to one last week with um i think it was called uh own goal goal own goal it's with roger mitchell and grant williams and uh, they sometimes do a podcast called are you not entertained with giles morgan as well who i oh, yeah. no, you yeah, know you yeah. know anyway yeah, they did yeah, yeah. oh i got into a row on that one. Mm. Oh, I, actually, oh. That's right. I remember that we'll um, listen to that episode yeah so no they did one last week with a guy called um Brent Johnson, who's, uh, who's, they're all in finance, but it was very interesting. They were talking about all of this stuff, and I would highly recommend uh, anyone to go back and listen to that because I thought it was some good insight. Okay,
1: I'm listening to a, a podcast about the French Revolution at the moment. <laughs> oh, they, they like killing each other. Um, right, so that's not all I've taken from that podcast. Right, okay, let's um, take a, a very, very uh, quick break. We don't have sponsors, so I'm just going to dig out an old file from a uh, paperboard. Hi, I'm Colin Montgomery, and I'm crushing it
0: on the Peloton right now.
1: Right, okay, that uh, should lead us into a, a preview of the US Seniors Open, but let's look ahead to the British Masters first of all, because here's history lesson for you, Eddie. Um, I know a lot of things you say that's a bit before my time, or I've, I've never heard of Flori Van Donk. Um, so this goes, the Dunlop Masters that started out as in 1946... Uh, the first televised hole-in-one was in the British Masters. Tony Jacklin at the 16th uh, St. George's, um, 1967. Here's a list of... I, I, I've got the list of uh, or some of the winners throughout the sort of 80s and 90s. 1980, Bernard Langer. Greg Norman, Greg Norman, Greg Norman, Woosnam, Trevino, Ballesteros, McNulty, Sandy Lyle, Nick Faldo, Mark James, Ballesteros. I mean, that's... Again, you know, I'm not besmirching the... Uh, the European Tour is obviously in a very different place now, but you think of these tournaments, they used to, Ian, attract, I mean, they still attract big crowds, they'll be a great crowd. This is why I love tournaments coming to the UK. Suddenly we get to the sort of UK swing. The British masters will have wonderful crowds at the Belfry, but my goodness, it used to be a sort of different product, didn't it?
2: Oh yeah. Uh, And, you know, we've got, um, we've got Nick Faldo as the, the promoter of it this week. And Justin Rose is, is in the field. And, Otherwise, it's a it's a a DP World Tour field that's you know that because everybody is over here and it's so difficult because they're playing for so much money. I'm saying over here because I'm still in America. um, It's it's distorted it and and you don't have you just don't have those superstars. You come up with those those names there, and it just goes back to a bygone age that. But equally, you're going to have – I'm not articulating myself at all well here, but I'm thirsting for those crowds at at, um, at, at the Belfry because, you know, there have been corporate gigs the last two weeks. Um, KPMG this week, there were some genuine fans there, but not that many. And um, We talked about it at the LA Country Club at the US Open that it's going to be waterproof wearing golf fans at the Belfry, which is going to be fantastic. And I, it's just a real shame. And, and that's nothing I'm hesitating because we will watch some really fantastic golfers uh, at the Belfry at the British masters this week, but it's not those stellar, um, stellar, stellar names, but it will still be great. And, you know, I can't believe you didn't go all the way through bearing in mind our podcast. You didn't go all the way through the, previous winners and say Eddie Pepperell well
1: I could have done I could have done I Eddie champion in 2018 uh, second in 2019 as well to uh, Marcus Schinnault. so but when you play in Britain Eddie do you feel uh, because the the crowds are just I'm not saying, saying they are the best in the world they're, they're sort of the biggest the most invested in golf and they're real real golf fans that are going to be there do you feed off that a little bit
0: yeah you do um, you know and obviously I'm a national treasure and a bit of a local hero so um, you know a great support uh, I think for me, the biggest disappointment here is that we don't have the Matt Fitzpatricks, the Tyrrell Hattons and the Tommy Fleetwood of the world coming back home to play the yeah. British Masters. Long, we got no chance of getting Rory McIlroy and the Seve equivalents of coming and playing. That's, that's gone. But each player playing, each, in my opinion... European players should recognize the impact they have when they come and play their home tournament. I've seen it this year firsthand every time. And it doesn't even have to be the superstar in that country. Thomas Dietrich, for example, playing in Belgium attracted a huge crowd. Same with Alex Noren in Sweden. The same with Joost Lauten in Holland. You just need your home players playing. And the fact that we can't get Fitzpatrick and Tyrrell and Tommy, well, the fact that they actually don't want to is the disappointment I have. And I think that they should honestly reconsider uh, their obligation because i actually think it's an obligation to, to come home and support your home tournament so that would be the disappointment i would have personally
1: no, i suppose uh, obligation is a good word because say well they can do what they want in terms of the money but also in terms of the preparation for majors it doesn't fit in with them uh, bouncing across the atlantic here there and everywhere but i suppose the
2: next majors in the uk no
1: i know i get that but then they, they might be staying over here for quite a while uh i don't know i would i would i would much rather see it obviously uh, but I, what I was about to say was that I do think there is an obligation because it's kind of, you, you think, where does, um, everything that thrives and succeeds in golf come from? It comes from, um, fans being able to watch the, the stars and be able to go uh, along. And, you know, it's their reward for following golf or being into golf or being interested in golf is that you can go to the belfry, which is one of the most accessible golf courses. You know, you come down from Scotland, fly down the motorway and you get there and, you know, and, Turn off the M6 toll road. Um, that's a lovely road, uh, and then you're you're there, and you're able to watch the biggest stars in the game. And it's not quite the same, although I would say I cannot wait for the excitement at um, people following Eddie Pepperell and his mini driver. So
2: no, but the the, the people Eddie's talking about there—they're the ones who are going to be pumping their chests for Europe in in Rome in in September and in, in the Rider Cup. And that's brilliant. I mean, it must be amazing to be a Ryder Cup player, and you can see what it does for them and how much it motivates them. But there has to be a there has to be more than just playing for Europe for one week in a Ryder Cup to supporting Europe. And and they'll turn around and they'll say, "Well, no, I'm playing the Scottish Open. I'm playing," but that's 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 co-sanctioned with the with the PGA Tour. I, I think Eddie's absolutely right. I think I think golf fans in the UK and Europe are entitled. To feel that that these players turn up for these kind of events, so, you know, if you want
0: to be a genuine sporting hero, do that kind of thing. Yeah, I think this this also does reflect where we're at, though, not just in golf but also sport. And this is again, you know, we we we're all probably a bit romantic here uh, talking about this, but the reality is is that for each and every individual at the top of any sport now, but but particularly golf, this is just seen entirely as a business decision, quote unquote and the nonsense we've seen come out of live players mouths the last 12 months, it's identical. There is no consideration for the systems that are in place or the institutions that have been put in place and the history behind them. And what the individuals that have participated in that over the years have actually the impact they've had, Uh, but we're in a different world. And I think that it's ultimately very sad and we will lose the fans because of it. You know, you are going to lose fan interest. I don't watch football anymore because there's no interest. I have no interest in watching football anymore. All the storylines have gone. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's really sad, but that's the way golf is going and it's seemingly going to keep heading that direction until the pendulum swings, but I, I hope it swings fairly soon. Yeah, okay,
1: excellent. Um, excellent, he said. I was just getting a bit of a break up there, but I think that was coming across loud and clear. Uh, and, you know, you just have to look around the belfry in history. Of, you know, it's, it's had its critics as a golf course, um, but you go into the clubhouse and you see everyone spraying champagne from the, the, the roof of the club in 1985 and look at that. So there's it's European golf history is there, and I think perhaps it would be nice uh, you know, to see some of the stars in European golf, just now being there in the British Masters. Maybe that'll change in the future, but I, I'm not holding my breath. So, um Ian, we've got to do our uh, predictions um because we're going to do predictions every week. We're going to... When Eddie's playing in a tournament, he's absolutely 100% strech verboten from um, from predicting, from offering any names. So I am going to say... So, again, this is not a betting podcast. We have no clue, uh, or I have no clue what I'm talking about. But what I would do say in in golf... It's so often players will go back to the same course and do well time and time again. Well, you saw it with Keegan Bradley, Ches Reavy at um, the Travellers Championship. So, um, I'm going to go for Richie Ramsey, uh, at well, chap. Well, why not? Why not? He was third, uh, last year. Uh, he's been showing a good bit of form. Doughty competitor, um, and not just because he's Scottish. So that's my, my, uh, pick for, for this week.
2: Okay. Um, I am going to... I don't even know if he's in the field, but I'm assuming he a is. List. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm going for lucrative list. No, I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for Bob McIntyre. I'm going Scottish as well. Wow. So, Bob... I, I, that's a bold pick because Bob's in our Bob's in Bob's in a wee bit of bother yeah. at the moment. So, he's not... But he's kind of... I, he, he kind of... He responds to, to crowds and uh, I... Yeah, I'm going to go for him with absolutely no foundation to it whatsoever other than just a
0: feeling in my in my waters. Good. Mm, unpleasant. Right. I've seen Bob the last couple of weeks on tour. I love Bob. He's such a great character. Um, he's wearing some dreadful shirts at the moment, though. I mean, Nike's latest range, I don't know what's going on. are killing off our sponsors here, Eddie. If we're never going to be sponsored by Nike, let's be honest, we're way ahead of our skis there, Andrew. Um, but, uh, yeah, then he needs to... Uh, but No, I, it's, a, it's a good pick, that. I, I will pick a player playing at the, the Belfry this week, Brendan Lawler uh the g four D uh tour are playing today and tomorrow. So there's there's my pick. Yeah, he is uh he does tend to to
1: well he's not dominating on that tour, but he does tend to win quite a lot. So
2: um excellent. Yeah, and just on the subject of that, a big week as well. Um the the England and Wales Blind Golf, um they need some ball spotters at Telford Golf Club in uh Shropshire this week. Um so well worth looking out on social media for that. Thanks to Andy Guilford and good luck to all the golfers uh, there. Um because it is an extraordinary thing uh to be involved in in the blind golf uh that goes on there. It
0: really is. And uh wish everyone success in that this week. Before we go on though, um I also need some bullspars at the Belfry, so <laughs> I'll do <laughs> that for you, Eddie. Thanks, yeah. Okay. Um
1: quick final one, US Senior Open this week, I was mentioned, at Century World, Wisconsin. So Century World so named after Century Insurance Company. Sounds like the most dullest sort of theme park. Century, World, Insurance, I think it's just a sort of sporting centre, but Century World, Wisconsin. Uh, Podrick Harrington is defending, and he's just defended, uh, he's just retained his Dick's Sporting Goods Open, with a back nine of 28 in his 63. Talking about someone who hits it too far now, um, first back-to-back champion in the long and proud history of the Dick's Sporting Goods Open. Um, so there we are, uh, look forward to that if you're into, into such matters um, but again keep an eye out on him and Hoylick honestly Podrick Harrington is just uh, he's one to watch for the future
2: yeah he's playing so well and he's even giving tips on how to tie I heard that tie I heard it. so you going to
1: play it for us now I, I don't know if this is that. this is genuine nonsense from Podrick. go on have a listen to this then surely I'm not giving a lesson in how to tie your shoelaces you know you should always put your foot up when you're tying your shoelace why is that because it expands you can tie it tight, and then it's a
0: little looser when you put down, and the lace won't
1: open. No, that's gibberish, Podrick. That's absolute nonsense. Because if you, when you lift your foot up, it it narrows. It's when you put your foot down on the ground that it expands. It it, it spreads out. So what's did, was this in an
2: interview that you did with him? No, no, I didn't do the interview. It just came on the uh, PGA Tour Champions Twitter feed. I mean, just absolute nonsense.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Eddie looks like he's got some shoelace thoughts. Uh, no, I haven't. I just love patrick He's uh, yeah, what a, what a character. <laughs> Podrick and Phil Mickelson. Now there's a three-ball that everyone would like to be part of. Actually, I think before we go, we should referencing Phil Mickelson. Good luck to the high flyers this week. They're playing Valderrama. <laughs> uh, go Range Goats. Who are the Range Goats? Who's on that team? Thomas Peters is a Range Goat.
1: Is he? he have you ever seen Thomas Peters smile?
2: No. I have when he won Abu Dhabi.
1: All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. God, what a talent! What a talent! And I feel just a sort of a. Bit of a lost talent. Anyway, good luck to the Range goats then. I, know, I, I didn't know that they were playing this week. Um, so, good. Enjoy that. Um, another tournament to look forward to. So there we are. It's quite a long uh, chat we've done here. So, hope you've enjoyed it. It's it, Just a reminder again, if you want to send emails on any thoughts, um, then it's Forecast at foldingpocket.co.uk. That's Forecast at foldingpocket.co.uk. .co.uk. Ian, have a, a safe journey back from Thank you very much. New York City. And uh, I won't see you at the Belfry. I might come down to the I might not. Oh, um, come on down. Eddie, when are you going up there? <laughs> Thursday morning? Uh,
0: yeah, Thursday morning. No, no, no. I'm going to go across tomorrow. I'm staying at home this week. So I'm, I'm back and forth a bit, only an hour away up the motorway. That
1: must make a big difference traveling from home.
0: Mm, yeah. Well, I hope so. Um. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. I'm looking forward I to it. I fo-
2: look forward to seeing you, Eddie. I'll be there tomorrow. Cheers, Ian. Okay. I'll buy a coffee. Good nice one. Thank you. Hold you Back to
1: together, Right, goodbye everyone. See you next week. Bye-bye.
0: Eddie Pepperell, Which one is he again? Can't believe Monty did that. And that completes this edition of the Chipping Forecast. Wishing you a safe and pleasant night.